Turn your Bibles to Acts, the ninth chapter. And as you're turning there, I want to preach a sermon concluding our reset series called Right Place, Right Time. Right Place, Right Time. And, and uh, it's the first Sunday of, of February, and we acknowledge Black History Month. Uh, you look around our church, you see uh, the beautiful diversity uh, that is our church. It's something that we celebrate, we applaud, and we, uh, we applaud so much history, not just black history nationally and internationally, but there's a lot of black history in our church that I'm grateful to be a part of. And, and, and I wanted to honor um, uh, uh, someone that, that is a part of our history and it, it's, it's, a, it's one, I know we have a list of those that we honor for Black History Course, the Martin Luther King and various other um, incredible African-American men and women. But I want to honor this man named Charles Albert Tinley. And, and what you may not know, you may not have ever heard that name before, but he was the writer of some, of some great songs like We Shall Overcome. He wrote the song, We'll Understand It Better. And he also wrote the song that I just sang, Leave It There. And what's interesting about this, as I was studying his life this week, and, and born in the, the mid to late 1800s, um, he never spent one day in school. His father was a slave, his mother was free, but he never had the opportunity to go to school, never learn how to write, never learn how to read, never attended school. But he mastered reading by himself, by ripping out pieces of paper, uh, paper from the newspaper. And by candlelight, he would try to figure out the words as a child. And he mastered reading so well that later he enlisted the help of a Philadelphia synagogue to learn Hebrew. And then he later learned Greek by taking a correspondence course through Boston Theological School. Tell me you got limitations. You don't got no limitations. Anything we want to do, we can do if we put our mind to it. And then in 1901, he got a job at John Wesley Methodist Episcopal Church in Philadelphia. And then later on at that same church, he became the pastor and as he was already a musician and a songwriter, he became the pastor, taking over a congregation of 100 people. And it later turned into 10,000 members. And what's interesting is when he got the job at the church, he was hired to be the janitor. And then he slowly served his way to become the, the senior pastor to take the church from a smaller congregation to what would be considered a mega church of our day today. Everybody say right place, right time. If we understood the power of how God works when it comes to the right place, right time seasons of our life, it's actually a kingdom 
principle. And if you realize that, I know we use that phrase a lot in our life, you know, well, it's just, I gotta be at the right place at the right time, or oh, I was at the right place at the right time. I know we use that in our everyday language, but there is a kingdom principle to right place, right time. Looking at the life of Charles Tinley gives you an indication on, as we honor Black History Month, of this, this man of God who was called the Prince of Preachers. This man of God that, that was at the right place at the right time. It wasn't that he was just lucky, but I believe that when the natural side of us begins to get in sync with the supernatural, then all of a sudden the kingdom begins to line up things in our life. And oftentimes we don't pay a lot of attention to it. We just think things just happenstance. But while we're going through our routine and we're getting the kids up for school and we're trying to beat traffic and we're trying to go through all of those things that are our normal routine things, what's happening is still in the kingdom, in the supernatural world, there is God that is lining up things for you and lining up things for me. And there's these things that we're stumbling into that we didn't even realize that God had it ordained before we were even breathing on this earth. If we could really understand the kingdom of God at that level, we wouldn't just go through life just hoping and praying that maybe we'll stumble into something that will, will get us to the next level of our life. But it is a kingdom principle, place and time is kingdom work in our life. And every day we are engaged in places and in time. And my goal for this sermon is to awaken your discernment. Is to realize that God has wired each and every one of us with a discernment to know when we are at the kingdom right place. At the right place. Time And so I want to prop your faith up to start looking through a different lens in your life. And, and I'm speaking over your life that this year will be a monumental year for you to reset your mind, to reset the way that you process place and time in your life. Because if you look through biblical history, you will find out the Bible is full of right place, right time stories. I don't even have enough time to get to all of them. But you look at the life of Nehemiah, who was, who was burdened to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem, and he happened to be working for the king who was going to fund the entire project. Everybody say right place, right time. I look at the life of blind Bartimaeus that was at the same place every day, but at this particular opportunity and at this particular time, there was a moment where Jesus came down the street and he began to cry out, right place, right time. He began to cry out, son of David, have mercy on me. And it stopped Jesus in his tracks and it made Jesus go, who's that calling my name? And then the, the, the blind man, Bartimaeus, who was dealing with blindness all of his life, began to see again. Everybody say right place, right time. You would look at the woman at the well that just happened just to be going through her day in the middle of the day and then Jesus shows up and he says listen I know you're here to get water but I am going to give you some water that's going to change your life forever it ain't about the water that's in your buckets but it's about the water that's about to fill your soul and you're about to walk out of this season of your life everybody say right place right time I look at the woman with the issue of blood Jesus was going down the street to perform another miracle it wasn't even about her but all of a sudden, there was a right place, 
right time where this woman with the issue of blood who was crawling on the ground to, to, for, to avoid the embarrassment because she shouldn't even be in public because of her disorder, but she began to call on the master and reach for the hem of his garment. And then all of a sudden, Jesus says, who's that touching me? Right place, right Don't tell me that right place, right time isn't kingdom work for your life. But my question for you today is, can you really define those kingdom right place, right time moments in your life? Can can you really, are you aware? Am I aware? Do we go through our life going, God, are you setting up something for me today? Are you setting up something for me today to be able to step into something, not just to better my life, not just to favor my life, but to give you glory because your kingdom is being fulfilled on the earth through me? Can I help somebody today? Somebody say right place, right time. Because right place, right time isn't just a location or a timeline of your life but it's really an attitude that you carry in your spirit. It's, it's really the way that you have, have designed and how you have, have disciplined your spirit to go, could this be the day that I'm about to advance the kingdom in my life by simply being at the right place at the right time? We look in Acts, the ninth chapter, and I love this story about this man. And we see that, that there's a, a great story in the history of the church where there's this transformation of Paul, the apostle, where at the time he's known as Saul. And you know, a lot of us know the story of Saul, who is uh, the Christian hating man that is on a mission to gather all Christian men and women and chain them up to, to make sure that, that they can stop professing Jesus Paul, Saul was against the Christians. And so on this road to Damascus, he's struck down by a bright light. And there he hears the voice of Jesus saying, Saul, why are you attacking me? Why are you persecuting me? And Jesus tells him to get up and head to Damascus and where he is now sits blind for three days with no food or drink. And then we pick up reading in, in verse 10 of that chapter, and it says, meanwhile, in Damascus, a disciple named Ananias had a vision in which the Lord Jesus spoke to him. And can I just back up all the way to the beginning of that verse? And can I just stop on meanwhile? I just read meanwhile, and it just made me pause because it let me know that when you get to meanwhile, there was something going on before the meanwhile. And what was going on is we have Paul who is blinded, but we see a meanwhile that God is setting up a right place, a right time moment to where there can be a miracle that can take place. A meanwhile, and what you have to understand is while Paul is blind, confused, and stuck in his mess, God is working on his meanwhile. Can I encourage you that God is still working on your meanwhile? I know you may feel like you're stuck in some 
stuff from the past of your life, but God is pausing right now in the middle of your life, and he's saying, meanwhile, while it seems heavy on this side, meanwhile, I'm about to lift the load off of you. While it seems like I don't have enough money to make it happen, meanwhile, God is already making a way where there seems to be no way. While my kids are tripping out, acting crazy, it doesn't matter what they're doing. Meanwhile, if you raise up a child in the way they'll go, they'll never depart from it. You have to make sure that you stay connected to the meanwhile of your life. You got to stay connected to the meanwhile because God is in the business of setting up a right place, right time moment for you. And it hinges on the meanwhiles of your life. Meanwhile, meanwhile, while they were they were looking. Meanwhile, in Damascus, a disciple named Ananias had a vision in which the Lord Jesus spoke to him. And he says, Ananias says, here I am, Lord. I had to stop there. Here I am, Lord. It it lets me know that I am in this place. Here I am. It's interesting to me how he says, here I am, Lord. Because we know the Lord knew that he was there. He knows all. He he didn't need this, this announcement from Ananias saying, here I am, Lord. But I started looking and researching in the Bible where it talks about how there is constant moments to where somebody was saying, here I am, Lord. And and, and the use of here I am, Lord, reveals purpose in our life. It lets us know that God, I am not just going to just say, hey God, but I understand that when you call me, I'm going to rise up and I'm going to say, here I am, Lord, because I know you have a purpose and a plan for my life. Sometimes you have to re-enlist yourself in the army of God. Sometimes you just got to remind God, I'm here. I'm here. Whenever you need me, I'm here. I want to be at the right place at the right time. I'm here. Just use me in any way that you can. We look at Samuel, and he was the one that, that was kept hearing the angel of the Lord call him. He's running back and forth. And finally, Samuel says, speak for your servant is listening. God knows where to find us. He's just waiting for us to respond with, I'm right here. I'm right here. I wonder if our discernment is set up enough. Is it disciplined enough that when God responds that we can say, here I am, Lord. It was Abraham in Genesis 22 that his response was, here I am am. Here I am. I'm right here. I'm reporting for duty, sir. You can count on me. I wonder how many believers today, not just in this room, but globally, how many believers that the Lord would say, I can count on you. That when I show up and I begin to set in place some right time, right place moments, are you going to step up and go, here I am. Here I am. It was, it was Isaiah that said this. Isaiah talks about this in chapter 6. And he says, I heard a voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And who's going to go for us? And it was Isaiah says, here I am. Send me. And we have to make sure that we are enlisting ourselves daily. Here I am, whatever you want to do. Father, I pray that you will create some, some spiritual kingdom accidents in my life. And that God, that I will be in front of someone that I can speak a word into their life. Here I am, send me. I'm still here, God. I'm still trusting your word. I'm still here, God. I'm still praying and believing. I'm still here, God, just waiting for you to use me.
And then it says, he tells them to get up and go to Straight Boulevard. I'm reading from the voice version. Get up and go to Straight Boulevard. It's, I have to stop on get up. Because if we don't have a get up in our spirit, then what will happen is we will find ourselves always sitting down waiting on God. Always sitting down going, God, if you could just answer the call from me. God, I don't understand what you're doing. I don't understand why I keep going through these same things over and over again. But at some point, you got to get up. And says, I don't know the step that you want me to take, but I'm going to take a step. And if you would just tell me what I need to do with the next step, do I need to stay here? Well, I don't hear you, God. I'm, I'm about to step, God. And sometimes I believe God wants our faith so engaged in the journey that, listen, we're not going to sit down and just spend years of our life while waiting on God. God, what do you want me? If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. And we sing the song and we're just trying to figure out God. And God is saying, listen, I've already called you. I'm just waiting for you to get on up. Get on up. That's that's old school, but a whole different genre. That's old school. But right time, right place requires you to get up. Look at your neighbor and say, you better get up. Get up. You got to get your faith up again. You got to get your strength up again. You got to get your passion up again. You got to get that fight up again because you are built for battles. You're built to stand in the middle of the darkness and begin to declare the light of God's word over the situation around you. Everybody say, get up. You can't stay down. You got to get up because if you stay down too long, you'll begin to question your very identity. If you stay down too long, you'll be like, I don't even know if I'm saved anymore because you're not made to sit down and enjoy your salvation. You're made to get up and step it out and listen. I don't know where you're taking me, God, but I'm not going to be standing right here just sitting on the ground waiting for you to speak to me. I'm going to get up and I'm going to move forward. Get up. It was Gideon that was threshing weed in a wine press. And the angel of the Lord came and he says, get up, mighty warrior. You're not built for wine presses. You're built for battles. You don't need to be doing something that I'm not calling you to do. You're in here hiding away from everything. And, and, and the angel began to speak life over Gideon. And he says, get up out of there. And there may be some areas of your life that you just got to get on up out of there. Because you're not called to the wine press. God has called you to enlist in the army to see the kingdom of darkness destroyed by the words that come out of your mouth. Get on up. He tells them to get up and he tells them to go to. It's not only to get up, don't just stand there, get to stepping. <laughs> because we can get up and go, okay, I'm, but you got to step it out. He says, go to Straight Boulevard, go to the house of Judas and inquire about a man from Tarsus, Saul, by name. He is praying to me at this very instant. Everybody say, at this very instant. Right time, right place. God is working in the instant moments of our life. I don't want to live my life missing the instant, at 
this very instant moments of my life. If we are looking for a right place, right time moment, it will always require us to move forward in our faith. I don't know what go looks like for you. You may have to go and make some things right to someone that's offended you. You may have to go and witness to somebody that's, that's in your family that acts like the devil half the time. You, you may have to go and forgive them even though they did you wrong. You may have to go and you may have to bless them. You may have to go and you may have to pray for them. There may be some small goes for you before you get to the big go of your life because if you'll stop on that God can't trust you to go on this that was good I I, I went that wasn't even on the iPad today that wasn't even there but if you'll stop on the small goes you may not be trusted for the big goes I wonder if Anias had some small goes that he was able to overcome I don't know we don't hear much about Ananias, but I wonder if he was trusted with some small goes. So it was, it was Jesus that visited Ananias says, you are the one because you handled the small things. I can trust you with the big things. Get up and go. Get up and go. He says, get up and go and inquire about this man from Tarsus. It's interesting to me the word inquire. We don't talk or preach about inquiring of the Lord much, but it's full of the, the Bible is full of inquiring of the Lord. I think about 2 Samuel when David inquired of the Lord and he said, shall I go up to the Philistines? Wilt thou deliver them in my hand? And the Lord said to David, go up. For I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into your hand. David says, listen, God, I'm facing this giant. I'm facing this army. Is it time for me to go? Because here's the thing. We want to get up and go, but we just don't need to step in directions because God may want us to go that way and we're walking this way like, uh, I love Jesus. <laughs> I'm going over here. And God's like, no, 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 no. If you would have just stopped long enough and inquire of me, because sometimes God is not going to give you answers to the destiny of your life until you get up and you go. But before you go, go, you need to inquire of the Lord. David says, listen, I'm inquiring of the Lord. And, and he says, I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into your hand. I love that. That stood out to me. Can I just prophesy and speak over your life? Someone's situation that God is about to remove some doubt out of your life that maybe you've been dealing with doubt and you've been stuck and you maybe you're up and you're trying to go, you're trying to inquire, but doubt's got you paralyzed. Thinking, man, if I go this way, is it gonna happen? If I go this way, is it the wrong step? But God is still working some right time, right place moments for you. So inquire of the Lord. Inquire of the Lord. When we do not consistently inquire of the Lord, we will not be tempted we will not be tempted to inquire. We will find ourselves trying to inquire of people. So if we stop inquiring of the Lord, we will try to rely on people to inquire of. And how many knows I thank God for counsel? And I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Counsel around us. But you, will, you don't want to get up and go trying to find the right place, right time of your life, and then give somebody giving you some bad advice. It talks about this in King Saul, Old Testament, King Saul fell prey to this in First Chronicles where he said he died because he was unfaithful to the Lord. He did not keep the word of the Lord and even consulted a medium for guidance. 
and did not inquire of the Lord is what it says. He began to seek some other forms. And let me just say this, not in my notes. If you're trying to like deal with the psychic stuff and mediums and reading horoscopes, you're bigger than that. Don't even open that up to your life because you're trying to find a replacement to inquiring of the Lord by trying to get a quick fix and a quick answer. And that ain't the way it works in the kingdom. So put those things down. Put those things down. I believe the prophetic gift is still alive and true for your life. You need to seek that and seek the Lord instead of trying to find some quick fix to try to determine what your destiny is for your life. Because it affected King Saul. It, he died because he was unfaithful to the Lord because he was looking for an alternate plan. It even talks about this for shepherds. And this is the King James Version. Mr. Brandon, I just, this was a funny verse. And I, it says in Jeremiah 10, 21, it says, for the shepherds are stupid. I was offended by that. For the shepherds are stupid and do not inquire of the Lord. Therefore, they have not prospered and all their flock is scattered. Wow, that's, that's hard. But I read that, not because it maybe not applies to you, but it applies to me. And it's important that we have a church and I have a responsibility and accountability around people around me to make sure that we're inquiring of the Lord. We're not trying to build a church on what's popular. We're not trying to build a church on, on what the latest, greatest thing is. We're not, we love all of the tools. Yeah, we'll use all the structures. We'll use that. But at the end of the day, it requires me to hit my knees and go, God, what are you saying for our church? God, what are you saying, God? What are you wanting to do in us? What are you crying out for us, God? What is your identity? What is the DNA that you have for our church? I inquire of you, God, because I don't want to be stupid. I don't want to be stupid. Everybody stretch your hands towards your pastor. Say, don't be stupid, Pastor Kelly. Don't be Y'all said that with some passion, too. I'm, I'm like, Lord Jesus, like y'all been waiting to say that. I'm a little offended. I'm a little offended. Inquire of the Lord. Let me, give you, let me give you some practical things to do when you inquire of the Lord because that's a big churchy, that's a big word, that's a big biblical word. What does it look like? Let me just give you this. First of all, you inquire of the Lord by commanding Scripture. Commanding Scripture. I promise you, if you're looking for some right place, right, right time moments in your life, you will have a good chance of finding the answer in the Word of God. This is the most simplest discernment tool is the Bible. I don't know what God is saying. Get in your word. Get in your word. Because the word is still a breathing. It's, it's breathing and it's still life-giving. It's just not a history book from Genesis to Revelation. There's something in there for you. There's something in there for me. So commanding scripture. If, you're, if your plan goes against the teachings of the Bible, it's not God's will for your life. It, it is not God's will for you to leave your spouse and run off with somebody else. Well, the Lord's leading me. No, he ain't, he ain't tell you to do that. The Bible doesn't support that. It, it's not God's will for you to cheat on your taxes. I, I figured I'd say that around tax time. It's not God's will for you to look for shortcuts. 
Your character and integrity is way more valuable than that by you getting an extra $322 back on your taxes. Commanding. And now you think, well, why are you getting all in my business? Because I want there to be some right time, right place, right time moments for your life. And if you can't be entrusted, if you can't be trusted in the dark places of your life, when no one's looking, God's going, I, you can get up and you can try to go, but, but you're going to be stuck in, 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 in neutral because you're not commanding scripture. It's not God's will for you, for you to, to enter into a, a business deal that's, that's going to hurt somebody else. You try, I'm trying to get out of, I'm trying to hurt somebody in the process of God blessing me. What? God ain't going to bless you by hurting somebody else. The scripture tells us if you want God's specific plan for your life, you must first know God's general plan for everybody's life. So can you fit your life and what you're trying to do in your life, can you fit it in God's general plan for your life that is found in the word of God? It got real quiet in church when Pastor Kelly was, singing, was preaching about that first point. So I'll go to number two. Compelling spirit. Not only is the word of God, but there's also the spirit of God. The Holy Spirit's role in our lives is to be a guide and, and give direction. How many people are thankful for the presence and the spirit of God that gives us direction? And he does this in many ways. It's sometimes in that, what the Bible talks about, that still small voice. If we could learn, I've preached about this a lot. I'll preach about it again. If we could just learn how to hear God. If we could just learn how to, how to hear the small voice of God. God has never yelled directions at me. I wish he would. I wish he would. I wish he would just make it. God, just on the billboard, right off of 635, just say, Kelly, dot, dot, dot. Give me a message. I, but the, God doesn't work with billboards. He works in those private times where we are alone with him. And do we feel with the word of God open and then we're praying, God, I need your spirit to lead me and to guide me. That is what's going to create some right place, right time moments in our life where the Holy Spirit is guiding us. Spurgeon said this, prayer is the autograph of the Holy Ghost upon the renewed heart. I love that. Prayer is what allows the Spirit of God to begin to autograph on our spirits and direction of where he's taking me to. So commanding scripture, compelling spirit, and then common sense. Common sense ain't common anymore, Gilbert. It just ain't common. Have y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about? Common sense just ain't common anymore. But when you're trying to create those right place, right times of your life, you have to use a little bit of common sense. Everybody put your hand on your head and say, God, help my head. <clears throat> help my head, Lord. Give me some common sense because some of the things after you've prayed about it, some of the things after you've studied about it, some of the things the Spirit is speaking to you about, you just got to use your common sense because we're not supposed to throw our brains out when it comes to getting direction from God. We can't throw our brains out when we get direction from God. 
John Wesley said that God usually guided him by presenting reasons to his mind for acting in a certain way and going in a certain direction. So there's a reasoning that God will speak into your mind and it, and it will create a, a, a good judgment of common sense to get into something. If, if you're trying to start a business and you won't, you're trying to go to the bank and you're trying to get a loan, but you can't qualify for that TV at Best Buy. Trying to get that credit card at Best Buy for that 84 inch TV. And they won't, and I'm not being, I'm not being mean, but common sense tells you it's not the right season for you to launch the business. So stay working for the man or the woman that you're with and just do a good job there. Create right seasons, right time, right places at the job that you're at and begin to work out that credit issue. <laughs> it's so quiet when you talk about practical things and work out that credit issue. It doesn't mean that you're not gonna have that business. It just means it's common sense tells you it ain't the right time. It ain't the right time. So common sense. Another thing that how we inquire of the Lord is the counsel of the saints. There, God puts people around us that is wise and will give us great advice. As we're building this building and starting, think we broke ground last week, y'all. What's up with that? That was awesome. I meant to, I meant to mention that earlier, but I was singing "Leave It There." But I, it was so good to see what God did, and it was, man, it was such a great. It was the high, one of the top ten most beautiful days of my life, and it was such a everybody with their shovels and. And uh, it was so, so good. So that's just a side note. But, but when I have realized it's through this building process, I've had people around me that have been there. And, and so sometimes if I'm looking for right place, right times of my life, God wants to use people around me. People like, like Vernon Van, who has been early on when we were talking about contracts and with, with general contractors and architects, he's got experience in that, so he was helpful for me. I've got, we got a board, a church board that we've set around the table hours and hours talking about this because if I just try to go, I'm the man of God and the Lord will speak to me what we shall do. <laughs> All these people that have more experience said Kelly's about to look, that stupid pastor of scriptures coming up. Because God will put people around you to help you. And so you find your way of inquiring of the Lord by inquiring of wise people. Wise people, I want to start a business. I'll go back there. You need to talk to somebody that has started a business. Don't talk to somebody that's dreaming to start their business too. They don't, they can't help you. But the one that has a successful business, they can help you. Here are the steps to take. Practical stuff, practical stuff. And then lastly here, how do we inquire the Lord? Circumstantial signs. Circumstantial signs. You sometimes don't have to pray about some things. If you are looking for a job and you keep going by the place that has the hiring now sign and you never go in, circumstances should have you pull over that car and pull into that parking lot and begin to inquire of the job because God's going, you're inquiring of me while you're sitting on the couch all day. 
But circumstances, God's like, circumstances are going to start stacking up against you. And it's going to force you to either get up and get it, get a job, or it's going to force you to be homeless. Practical stuff. But it's a part of inquiring of the Lord. We got to make sure that when we are inquiring of the Lord, that we are counting the circumstances in our life. You know? And then you make those decisions with those things. So that's real practical, but I like to give practical application. Let's finish this. He had a vision of a man, verse 12, by your name, who will come lay hands on him and heal his eyesight. Ananias says, Lord, I know whom you're talking about. Ananias is like, I know this man. I've heard the rumors about this man. I know you're talking about. I've heard rumors about this fellow. He's an evil man. He's an evil man. He's, he's a bad, bad man and calls great harm for your special people in Jerusalem. Here's the one you got. I got to leave with you is you got to fight fear. You got you to fight fear because anytime that you're looking for the right place, right time moments of your life, there's always going to be this anxiety and this worry and this fear that's underneath. And you got to fight it. Anais was like, you want me to do what? You want me to go lay hands on that? Can you just give me the, give me the church lady, the, the sweet, sweet little church lady? I'll go lay hands on her. She's just, you know, she's got some sickness in her body. Just send me there. Don't send me to the, to the guy that hates us. He hates Christians. Why are you doing this? You got to fight fear. And Jesus said in verse 15, he says, you got to go. You got to go. If you're looking for a right time, right place moments in your life, you got to go. You must go. I've chosen him to be my instrument. Paul, his Saul is about to be Paul. I've chosen him to be my instrument to bring my name far and wide to outsiders, to kings, and to the people of Israel as well. Verse 16 says, I have much to show him, including how he must suffer for my name. I'm like, well, well, and I'd be like, time out, God. I, first of all, I got to lay hands on him. And then this is going to be about him suffering for your name. I'm going to, God, I'm going to let you tell him that. I ain't telling him that part. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to skip that part. Uh, suffer for my name. So Ananias went. He entered the house where Saul was staying. He laid hands on Saul and called him. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on your way here, sent me so you can regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And at that instant, everybody say right place, right time. Something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see. So he got up, received the ceremonial washing of baptism, identifying him as a disciple. He ate some food. Remember, he had eaten for three days and he regained his strength. So the last thing is he had to enter in. Ananias had to do. He couldn't just walk up to the door and just stare at the door. He had to hit the ring doorbell. And he had to go in and finish the right place, right time moment that God set up for him. How much, how much of us, how many people here today are willing to really say yes to that level of our? We don't even hear much about Ananias after this. I don't know if he maybe became good friends with Paul. I don't know what the story is with Paul or with Ananias. It don't really tell, but it gives us this story of this man that was so focused in being an instrument for God, instrument for Jesus, and the whole entire church that we sit in today, the, the structure of the church, 
Two-thirds of the New Testament happened because of the faithfulness of a man named Ananias. And then I didn't even talk about this part, but, but he says he went in and he laid hands on him. We've been doing prayer every, every Saturday morning at 9 a.m., and we lay hands on people. There's something powerful about laying hands on the sick, laying hands. The Bible is full of it. So if you want your hand, if you want us to lay hands on you, we'll do it here. But, but you need to be here on Saturday mornings at, at 9 a.m. Be here at Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. Because, because I, 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 wanted, I want to lay hands. We want to lay hands on you. Because maybe you're looking for a right place, right time in your life. And you just need somebody to agree with you and lay hands on you. I'm going to tell this story that Adrian told me. And I hope I get it right, Adrian. Adrian was last week, he was in, in Cancun, right? He was a business trip in Cancun. I need to work for your company. It don't sound too much like a business trip, but I'll go with it for the sake of the story. And, and Adrian said that he was headed to the airport to come home. I think he just had some casual clothes. He was trying to dressed for a comfortable flight home and he said he he was trying to decide what to wear and he he ended up putting on he was between two shirts and he ended up putting on his shirt believe belong become so he gets to the airport and there's a young man a mexican man that works at the airport and and he's and he he comes up to him says sir 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 so adrian's thinking he's there to assist him or whatever and he pulls out this piece of paper done some writing on. Adrian's looking at it. And at the top of the paper, he wrote the words, believe, belong, become. He says, sir, I'm sure in broken English, sir, he says, I woke up at three o'clock this morning and I was just doodling around and I just wrote these three words. And I see you come into my line with a shirt that says believe. Am I telling the truth? I'm not, I'm, not putting a, I'm not putting a pastoral twist on this, right? I'm telling the truth, what you told me. He goes, and I see this, and tears are filling his eyes. And, of course, Adrian stops, and he tells him, says, are you a believer? And then I think he said he was Catholic. Did he say he was Catholic or not a believer? He said, he, he said, I believe in God. And Adrian just agreed with him. He says, whatever the Lord was speaking to you and was confirmed by me, by me wearing this shirt, We're believing it to be done in your life. That is so cool, y'all. So so what happens with that story? I don't know, but I promise you that young man in Cancun, Mexico will never forget that moment to where God created a right place right time. So when we're dealing with all this stuff, we have to understand, I told the serve team, the dream team this morning, sometimes you got to fly 40,000 feet up in the air and see what God is doing in the kingdom. I I don't know, that that young man may be called to ministry. He may take this and and start a, a, a Pathway of Life church in Cancun. Here I am, Lord, send me. Send me, I'll pastor that church. I, I'll just, yes, I don't speak Spanish, Tanya. You can use that Spanish rap, but I'll learn Spanish to go pastoring. 
Pathway of Life Cancun. But you just don't know what God's doing. So my prayer for you today as we close, stand to your feet, is that you just fly 40,000 feet in the air for a moment. I know you're in the middle of all the mess and you're middle of all the stuff and maybe, maybe one of the points, maybe you just need to get up. Maybe you're, getting, you're up, but you just need to go. Or I bet most of us just need to learn to maybe inquire the Lord a little bit more. Maybe that small, still small voice that we need to hear is God is speaking. It's just the noise of our life is louder than his voice. But I'm just believing, and I'm here to encourage you, God is still in the business of creating right places and right times over your life. Lift your hands. Father, thank you. Thank you for this word. Um, I, God, I, I kind of struggled with this one, and I don't even know why, because I feel like that it connected, but maybe it was for me. I, I don't know. But I just love your word. And I love your word when there's an atmosphere of expectancy in the room, how it just ministers. And God, I pray for anybody here that is trying to sort out the right place, right time. God, I pray encouragement to cover their life, that they've been frustrated, maybe feel like they've been stuck at a job that has no future. They got dreams inside of them. They feel like never is going to come to pass. God, let them be encouraged that you are creating a right place and a right time. God, maybe their position is not to be Saul. Yeah, it would be great to have somebody come lay hands on us and just set us free. But maybe we have to submit to the Ananias season of our life. Maybe we have to submit to the Ananias to help somebody else get to the next level. And then we will step into our next level. I thank you, Father, for encouragement that's coming. Come on, if your hands are still up, just, just out of your mouth, just begin to say, Father, I thank you for encouragement today. And the burden that you've been carrying, thinking that God has forgotten you, let me just hear, I'm here to remind you, he has not forgotten you. So with your hands up, I want you just to say this, here I am, God. Here I am. Send me. Here I am. I'm, I'm still here. I, haven't, I know I've wandered off at times, and, but God, I'm like the prodigal that, God, you, you, I just come running back to you. Here I am. I'm still here. So God, let encouragement fill this room, and we thank you for it. Now, God, I, I pray for every head bowed and eye closed. I just want to ask for anybody here today that just needs to know Jesus, that you're here today and you just need to know the Lord. And if that's you, I just want you to lift your hands and we want to pray for you. It says, listen, I'm far from Jesus. Or maybe you've never, maybe you're new here. We've had a lot of people that have come from, uh, to our church recently from the, from, from the Catholic faith and we welcome you here. You belong here and we love you being here. But maybe you just need to know Jesus. You need to know you need to know a relationship with Jesus. And, 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 and whoever you are, or maybe you're far from him, can you just raise your hand so we can pray for you? And I just, I see your hands. Thank you for your honesty. I see your hands, sir. Anybody else here? I, I see your hand over here. 
And, and I'm, I'm just going to ask you just to come to the altar. And there's nothing powerful about, about you stepping out. But I, well, I, I take that back. I think there is. Because there's such a confidence that comes when, you're, when you step. And, and every step that you take, it's like the get up, now it's time to go. <laughs> and, uh, and I want to encourage you to come to the altar because we want to pray for you. And uh, I want to lead you. Come on, put your hands together for those that are responding. Yeah, man, anybody else, just come. No condemnation. We want to invite you into the kingdom of God. Bless you, my friend. I'm so glad you're here today. Anybody else, thank you. Thank you so much. Come on, keep it going, y'all. Build some confidence. Hallelujah. What's up, man? So honored to have you here, man. Hi, how are you? Hey, what's up? Oh, my gosh. So proud of you. I love it. So proud you see so. Anybody else? Look what the Lord is doing. Just hang with me for a moment. I know they're opening the back doors, but but don't don't let the don't let the cool air of the back door pull you out of here. God is in God is in the business of saving. I love it. Look at these, these young men. Cecil and Alex. Wow. Jen, look what's up. Your, your boys are down here getting saved. That's what's cool. And uh, anybody else? I just want to just lead you in a prayer. Come on, man. So good to see you. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So yeah, just keep coming. And I'm just going to just I'm just going to just talk to you guys. And I just want to lead you in a prayer of, uh, of salvation. And, and, and this, this is so simple. And you don't have to be, come on, what's up? Y'all keep interrupting me. I love it. Keep interrupting me. Bless you, man. And I, I want to just, isn't this the best part of the whole day right here? I want to, um, I want to just, just lead you in, in, in a prayer. I want to lead you. Messiah, what's up? I want to, I want to lead you in a prayer, all of you. Just, uh, and, and I'm going to tell you, this, this prayer is, there's nothing powerful about repeating me. I'm just guiding you. And I just want, I want you right now just to bow your head and just before we even pray, I want you just to search your heart and, and, and understand that this decision is probably, well, it's going to be the best decision of your life. It's, there's nothing more serious than your, your, your response to salvation through, through the finished work of Jesus and the cross. So I want you to repeat this after me. Say, dear Jesus, I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I pray that you will change me, heal me from the inside out. I thank you for this right place, right time, moment in my life. Come live inside of my heart. Save me from all my sins and I will continually walk this path with you and I thank you and I give you the glory and I give you the praise in Jesus name. Amen. Come on, make some noise.
so proud of you, man. Thank you so much for joining us. I pray that this was a resource and a blessing to your life. Go to our webpage, polc.cc, to connect with us on all of the things that we're doing. And we want to stay connected to you because we believe God has some great things for you.